This episode was recorded on the unceded lands of the Kaurna people of the Adelaide Plains. The History Trust of South Australia acknowledges elders past and present and the elders of the lands this podcast reaches. Hello and welcome to the History Festival podcast. I'm your host, Greg Mackey. The History Festival is an annual statewide event that explores the rich and deep history of South Australia. Held over 30 days in May, the History Festival explores the state's places and spaces, stories, collections and ideas that make us who we are today. One of South Australia's largest open access community events, the History Festival program features hundreds of events ranging from talks to tours, walks to workshops and exhibitions to special events. Events happen everywhere, in towns, cities and suburbs, in museums and libraries, in boats, trains and buses and mysterious buildings, on the street, by the beach and out in nature. Hear tales of the unusual and unknown, from amazing experts to local guides. With hundreds of events to choose from, there's something for curious minds and for all ages. Our theme in 2021 for the History Festival is change. From political change to social change, changing places, changing minds, changing hearts. Change for the better, change for the worse, on a big and a small scale and everything in between. The world around us is constantly undergoing change. Change is also a major thread that runs through the histories we share. We have also encouraged event organisers to plan events around this idea in any way they choose. So sit back and relax as we delve into some of the great stories and yarns that will make up the History Festival for 2021. Join Samish and the History Trust of South Australia in presenting the original South Australian AIDS Memorial Quilt. After several years in storage, the quilt is being put on display for everyone to see the history of HIV-AIDS in South Australia. Hear the stories behind each of the panels and learn why, how and what now when it comes to the quilt. The quilt exhibition will also be available for viewing. We join Anthony White on site. Nikki and Sky join us. We're about to talk about the History Festival and something very, very unique, the quilt. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's, it's good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Nikki, you're from the History Trust. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're involved with this? So, yes, I'm Nikki and I work for the History Trust of South Australia, um, which, as you might know, is a collecting organisation. So we collect objects, do research, tell stories about South Australia's history um, and that is the history of all South Australians. And um, as a collecting organisation, we, as I say, collect these objects and care for them. So when um, Sky found the quilts again or relocated the quilts and brought them back to South Australia, he contacted us to talk about whether or not we might consider um, taking them into our care in the long term. So that's a conversation we started, oh, a year and a half ago or something. We're still talking about that. We're keen to consult with lots of people about where they think uh, they might be best placed. But the History Trust is, is very keen to be a part of recording their story. Now, Sky, can you tell me a little more about how you got tied in and how this all started to happen? Sure. So um, I'm the team manager of SAMESH, which is a HIV prevention and health promotion program. And we have, uh, I guess, taken on the spiritual mantle of the uh, South Australian AIDS Council, uh, which closed down um, almost a decade ago. Um, so it just felt like it was right that we should look after these objects. And in fact, the first day that I started my job as the team manager, um, I received a phone call about the quilts asking where they were um, and what had happened to them. And I had no idea. 
But um, because it was the very first inquiry that I had, I made it my mission to find out where they were. And uh, it took me a year to find them. Then it took me another year to bring them back to Adelaide. So it was uh, it was ongoing work, but it was very rewarding. It's quite a fascinating story, isn't it? It is. It is. And st- parts of it are still unknown. Yeah. Um, and we're still learning things every day. For people who may not be fully aware of what the quilt is and what it represents, can you give uh, people a quick rundown? Sure. So um, the quilts started uh, to come about in, uh, well, the idea for them came about in 1983. Uh, So HIV and AIDS had uh, become first reported in 1981. So we're coming up on 40 years um, of the start of the AIDS epidemic. Um, And by 83, someone uh, called Clive uh, Jones had decided to create uh, a memorial to people who had died. Uh, He was protesting um, about the lack of response in America and they had made posters of people's names who had died and they taped them up against the wall of, I think it was the town hall or the federal building in um, San Francisco. And he thought, that looks like a quilt. We're going to make quilts. And by 1987, um, the Names Project had started. The main reason why the quilts were so important is in the very early days of the AIDS epidemic, People had no idea what was causing it. People had no idea how it was uh, trans, uh, the transmission. Um, so many families wouldn't accept the bodies of their family members who had passed. And many funeral homes, in fact, wouldn't accept the remains. So it was quite common for early um, AIDS illness victims to be mar- buried in mass graves. Um, so they had, no, they had no actual memorial or tombstone. So the quilt um, is, each quilt block is made up of eight panels, which are six foot by three foot, which is roughly the same size as a grave. They are literal memorials of a grave. I didn't know the story, that deep story about uh, mass graves. That's, uh, that's it's, it's something that gets explored a little bit in uh, It's a Sin, if anyone's watched that, and also in the TV series Pose. Uh, where two friends journey to Hearts Island in 1980s New York. Um, And Hearts Island was an island in the middle of New York Harbour where they buried uh, tuberculosis uh, victims or any other um, plague-related illness victims. And it was a a mass repository, repository for early AIDS victims as well. It just It's not fitting, is it? It doesn't seem right at all. No, no. Luckily, we have learned a lot more since then and mm. attitudes have changed, mm. even though stigma is still a big part mm. uh, of the AIDS epidemic. Uh, we have come a very long way since then, I'm very happy to say. With the quilts and you describing each one representing a coffin, representing a person, have you got any interesting stories of South Australians and their quilt square, for lack of a better term, um, so we can get a bit of an insight into a, a local? There is a very, very touching um, quilt panel, and it's um, particularly touching because um, it's for a 10-year-old boy, and his name was Pierce Stewart, and he he died of uh, AIDS-related illness when he was 10, and it's a really beautiful quilt that was made by his mother, um, and it has his actual kimono sewn onto it, so it's his tiny little kimono. And it's surrounded by a whole bunch of his uh, stuffed toys and um, quilting and, and painting of different elements that he, he loved. There's a little Batman patch on there. Um, I think there's a Transformers patch on there as well. So it's, it's really, really touching that um, someone so young 
had to be memorialized. But it's it's really beautiful to see, isn't it, Nikki? It's, yeah, it's it really is. touching. And I think that is the thing about the the, um, the blocks is, you know, you can look at pictures of them and you can learn about them, but there's nothing like seeing them. They actually move you in the most incredible and often unexpected ways, I think. Can I ask, 10-year-old boy, AIDS quilt, seems he shouldn't be there. How did that happen? Uh, I believe he, his mother um, also suffered from uh, HIV illness. Um, and it was passed on that way. Um, I understand that she also has a um, memorial quilt um, panel somewhere. Mm. Uh, it's not in our collection, um, but I, I have been told that there is one mm. memorialising his mother as well. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that that's in the Mass Museum of Applied Arts and Sciences. Yeah. Um, they have a large number of um, quilt blocks, and I'm pretty sure that hers is on one of those. I imagine if that's just one of the stories, the breadth of the full stories must just be quite amazing. It's huge. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, an enormous amount of people who have been memorialised. We're, we're looking at between 30 and 100 million deaths um, since the AIDS epidemic started. There's no exact number. Um, and of course, many of the early uh, many of the early um, sufferers weren't actually diagnosed with HIV or AIDS. They just died um, of what was then known as the gay cancer. Um, so we we don't have an exact number. Most historians tend to say more than thirty five million, but it could be anywhere between you know twenty five and a hundred million people have died. Not all of these people have quilt panels. Um, but the quilts collectively is the largest folk art, um, piece of folk art in the world. There are very famous images of the American quilts being displayed um, in Washington and uh, they take up the entire, uh, the entire mall in Washington, which is that huge, uh, that huge um, park where the inauguration rallies are usually held. And it's, it's full of quilt. That's blocks. amazing, isn't it? Mm. When we come to see it in Adelaide, what is the size of it? Well, each block is about, is it three metres by three metres? Yes, three um, and a half-ish. Yeah. And we have, is it five blocks? And, five blocks, and yes. a, a couple of uh, panels that have not been put into blocks at this point. We um, did display them for a very short period during Feast Festival last year until COVID got in the way. Um, and we we were a little bit worried that in the Torrance Parade Ground Hall they might not look as you know substantial if you like because it's quite a big space. But they, they actually do. do. <laughs> they they do. really do. They're 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 big metaphorically as well as physically. Yeah. They really do sort of take up the space. And you know, seeing in five is yeah a, a really moving experience. I like to call them heavy for both for two reasons one they they weigh a lot mm. and they are very heavy emotionally mm, and um yeah that's my that's my favorite word for describing them mm. when when people ask me about them but they're also incredibly beautiful and joyous i think at the same time like, you know they each one is so unique to the person that you you do feel like you kind of know this person at, at some level that you connect with them and and there is a lot of joy in them uh they're filled with the things that people loved and that made their lives you know 
what they were. While they're heavy, they're, they're, I think, you know, it, it is important that they're joyous at the same time, I think. Absolutely. I feel it's very privileged that we have the chance to actually look and see these quilts because you don't only see it physically. You get a you get a look into a window of somebody's life who's no longer here. I think that's really privileged stuff. I agree. I agree. And because they haven't been on display in South Australia for uh, 10-ish years, um, it, it really is a privilege to be able to work with these objects again. And the fact that Nikki and the History Trust has been able to uh, accommodate us uh, because they are such large objects um, has been it, it's been a wonderful experience. It sounds excellent, Nikki. If we want to see it and be mm-hmm. part of it and immerse ourselves in it, when uh, when can we do yeah. that? So you can come down to the uh, drill hall at the Torrance Parade Ground between ten and five on the fourth to the eighth of May and then the 10th to the 14th of May. And on the evening of the 13th, we have a talk about the quilts. There'll be various speakers there talking about what they know about them and why they're significant and chatting about what should happen to them, who should be, uh, you know, who's best place to look after them. So that's from 6 to 7 on the 13th of May in the Drill Hall at the Torrance Parade Ground. Nikki, Sky, thank you for coming in. We're very much looking forward to hearing more and seeing more about the quilt. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having us. I hope you'll get along to the quilt exhibition 4th to the 8th of May and the 10th to the 14th of May. There'll be a talk on the 13th of May at the Drill Hall in the Torrens Parade Ground. For more details, simply go to historyfestival.sa.gov.au. This story, proudly brought to you by the History Festival regional partner, SA Power Networks, empowering South Australia since 1946. Queering the Village, Upper North Adelaide Exposed. You can join Queen of the Walk, Dr Gertrude Glossop, PhD, bracket formal drapery, as we wend and wind our way through lovely, leafy North Adelaide. Ah, the changing scene from 19th century churches, cottages and villas to towers of today, from 1960s camp parties to 1970s gay liberation households and zaps, from 1950s queer theatre and personalities to 21st century feast festivities at Carclue. From days of love the sinner, hate the sin, to celebration of marriage equality. We remember hospice care and those lost to HIV AIDS. There's mystery and mayhem too. You'll always learn something new with Gertrude. In fact, let's join her now as she walks the streets of North Adelaide with her gay tales. Adelaide has many facets to its history, beautiful buildings, deeply livable seasons and an aspirational lifestyle. It also has a side that not many know about. We're going to find out about that side today and joined by a very special guest, Dr Gertrude Glossop, who has a PhD in formal drapery, I might add, from the Curtin Uni. Described as a creation, Dr Gertrude joins us now. Dr Gertrude, welcome along. Thank you very much, Anthony. Lovely to be here. Indeed, I am a creation. I was created only in 1993 by the Uranian Society, Adelaide's Forum for Gay Men's Culture, and it was decided to have a bus trip of 40 gay men to the little settlement of Urania on York Peninsula, where I divulge its secret gay history. And that is my genesis, Anthony. So, of course, when the inaugural Feast Festival, the uh, Lesbian and Gay uh, Cultural Festival, began in Adelaide in 1997, I was the obvious person to lead the first gay history walk here 
in Adelaide. Well, it was actually the second, but the first for the Feast Festival in 1997. That is a fascinating story. Do tell me, how was that first tour welcomed by the locals? Oh, well, it was quite interesting. It's only a little settlement with a scattering of, of, of houses and one uh, uniting church. And we walked around and stopped at different spots and then suddenly down the hill came racing um, a local resident and in her hand she had a little nosegay, a little posy and she came up to me and she curtsied and presented me with the nosegay. I think she thought I was royalty, Anthony. With that brooch, you certainly look like royalty, Thank you very I must much. say. Yes. yes, well, I am wearing my non-binary look today. It's very tailored, isn't it? Lovely. This lovely red and white jacket, of course, is a gift of the lovely Dr Jane Lomax-Smith, who um, periodically would ring Will, my, my other half, and say, I've got something for Gertrude, and um, I would be presented with um, an outfit. So this, this jacket, which is very smart, is, had belonged to Jane. As part of the History Festival for 2021, you're taking the tour Queering the Village, Upper North Adelaide Exposed. What's the first thing we're going to experience on that tour? Yes, well, change being the the topic, I thought, let's start here at Montefiore Hill, Lights Vision, which is the original sighting of Adelaide, if you like. Light stood here and saw his vision and saw the city, and here we are today. What would he make of it nearly 200 years later? And North Adelaide at the top of the hill, and then we turn around and we see two quite interesting pieces of architecture. The neo-Gothic fantasy, which is Carclu, and on the other corner, Aquinas College, and the original quite grand house there of very prominent South Australian um, Sir Samuel Way. And of course, Carclu was the home of one of the oaths, an old Adelaide family, I love that acronym, of the Benithans. So it was bought by Sir John Langdon Benithan, a great philanthropist and a very rich man, and that, that was his home from 1908, and it remained in the Benithan family until 1965. And then, how is it used today? And I thought, well, isn't that changed? What would Sir Langdon make of what they're doing with his house a century later? Do enlighten us. What is one of the key things they're doing in his house that would surprise him? Well, well, as, as you know, Anthony, I always look at things with a rainbow eye, a rainbow perspective. And I use that term now rather than the acronym LBGTIQ+, because uh, I think it's a lovely umbrella term, rainbow. And, of course, the Feast Festival, for the, and it's, it's um, Silver Jubilee season this year, 1997, and I've conducted walks every year, so it's my Silver Jubilee season. Um, I thought um, it would be appropriate to start here because Kaku... This centre has been used many times during the uh, Feast Festival and I could cite many things, but a couple of things that I wonder what Sir Langdon would make of it was in 2005 uh, was the Australian Lesbian Medical Association 7th Annual Conference. Now, what would Sir Langdon say? And then um, in 2007, 10 years before we got marriage equality, here on Montefiore Hill was a giant rainbow wedding and then the whole company went across the road and had the reception at Kaku. Again, what would Sir Langdon have said? That is a fascinating story, I must say. I also noticed part of your walk, there's a section called Murder, Mystery and Mayhem. 
What is that about? Some people say I'm a bit mischievous, but I, I do like to, to, to play with things a little bit and be a bit provocative and make people think, you know. And in fact, in the script, in the uh, history program, I did drop murder. I thought that might be a step too far. But the section Mystery and Mayhem does involve murder. And it involves doorways and two doorways. And we're walking down Ward Street and I cast my finger across to a little doorway in Ward Street, which is the entrance to a dormitory block of Lincoln College, the tertiary students' accommodation. And you see, in that little apartment there, in 1972, for only seven weeks, lived Dr George Duncan. And we all know um, the terrible fate that happened to him shortly after he arrived in Adelaide. And what I say is, just imagine, on the night of the 10th of May, he left that door of his apartment fully expecting to return home, didn't he? And to continue with his uh, worthy job as a law lecturer at the University of Adelaide. But as we know, he never returned home. What happened at about 11 o'clock that night? He was thrown into the River Torrens. He couldn't swim and he drowned. And we know that to this day, his murderers have never been found or convicted. It remains an unsolved crime. And I look at that doorway and I reflect on that. Then we walk a little further down Ward Street. Now, I won't actually say the number, but it's a little further down, and there's a doorway there, and a young man left that door on the 5th of June, 1983, at about 6 in the evening, and he never returned. And, of course, it's the terrible tale of young Richard Kelvin, a 15-year-old who, um, six weeks later, his mutilated body was found in the Adelaide Hills. It's a terrible, it's a terrible story, but the the thing that I link is there's there's a person linked with both these stories and these two people leaving home fully expecting to return and never. And of course, it is the man Spencer von Einem that is a name very well known in South Australia. And of course, what people might not know that the night that George Duncan was died, he actually acted as a good Samaritan. And he happened to be walking, uh, driving down past the river at about 11 o'clock at night, and he saw a man lying um, on the footpath, obviously needing help. And of course, it was Roger James who'd also been thrown into the river that night and had sustained a broken ankle and couldn't walk and was lying there helpless on the side of the road. And Von Einem took him to hospital where he was treated and obviously survived. But of course, as we know, Spencer von Einem was um, convicted of the murder of Richard Kelvin. And the story is that on that night, he happened to be driving down Ward Street, North Adelaide. He saw Richard Kelvin. The story is told that Richard Kelvin was abducted, um, but no one ever cited it. And perhaps... Um, he wasn't abducted at all, but did enter that car, and the eventual story is a terrible one. Look, enough of mystery mayhem. Let's finish on a high note. Round the corner we go to uh, the Uniting Church in Brougham Place, designed by a fabulous architect, um, Edmund Wright. And this is a 
I told this story because the United Church is one of the denominations which has embraced our rainbow family and same-sex marriage. And in fact, they held a special service there after the successful legislation, and I got a personal invitation, Anthony. Why am I not surprised? Dr. Gertrude, this has been fascinating and fantastic at the same time. Thank you so much for joining us as part of the History Festival. If we want to come along to your tours, can you tell us when and where? Right. So um, there are two. There's May Day, the 1st of May, Saturday from 11 to we always finish by 1. And then on Sunday the 16th at 11 to 1. So people have two opportunities. Lovely. Dr. Gertrude, thank you so much. Pleasure, Anthony. Well, nobody tells a tale quite like Dr Glossop. Join Gertrude for the Queering the Town walking tour on the 1st and 16th of May. For more details, simply go to historyfestival.sa.gov.au.